0: Wes and Ted's Excellent Conversation, a podcast about teaching, learning, and anything else that pops into Wes and Ted's heads. Hi, Wes. Well, hello, Ted. How are you? It's good to see you.
1: Uh, nice to see you as well. That's
0: Outstanding. To see
1: you. Outstanding. You were about to share something with our
0: audience. <clears throat> I was, um, yes. I, we were j- Before the recording, I was mentioning... Uh, what was it i already forgot no i didn't forget Uh, if you're listening on a podcast app which is lovely um just a reminder that you can check us out on youtube if you'd like to be watching this and if you wouldn't then podcasts work too we've got the cross-platform thing happening um there was something else i was going to mention oh yeah yeah um Wanted to name check my good friend, uh, Pete Baum, who might be listening, uh, because he pointed out that um, in the past, at some points, we've recorded and then released, you know, months later. And so when we refer to current events and all that kind of good stuff, that can be a little jarring. And uh, I'm delighted to say that um, at the time that you, dear listener, are hearing this, assuming you listen on the published date, we will have recorded it two weeks in your past. And um, in, in future, we're going to adopt a, a schedule of publishing on the fourth Wednesday of every month. We'll probably be recording the Wednesday before, so that, um, uh, what's, what's the word? That, um, <clears throat> cognitive dissonance will be uh, greatly reduced. So I think that will be a good thing.
1: And oh. to update any of the kind of timely stories that we've we've shared so far in the podcast, uh, Rush Limbaugh still dead, um, dude. Kamala Harris still vice president. Um, <laughs> what else did we talk about?
0: <laughs> I don't know. We we had all kinds of sort of current events dating back to months and months. Oh, I should also I should also name check my friend Dan Thron, who was the one who said, "Oh, I got to publish on a." Honestly, he's he's a big fancy LA guy and who knows uh, all this stuff. So.
1: I, I'll throw in Josh at house, <coughs> who's my friend who likes the podcast. Oh, so, no. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, that's yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah that's no, good. We've covered that's everybody. Uh, and speaking of those fine folks and anyone else who may be listening, feel free to drop us a line. We are Watec at westcarol.com, W-A-T-E-C at westcarol.com, two R's, two L's. And we are always delighted to hear from you uh, your questions, your requests, your heckles, whatever it is that you would like <laughs> to send to us.
1: We are also always delighted to introduce each other. I going to introduce Wes. Outstanding. Um, thank you. He um, he did spell his name successfully. Um, he's Wes Carroll. Won't let it go I to just, my head. Mm-hmm. I can't help it. I just got to do it. Two R's, two L's. Um, there you go. At wescarroll.com. And um, <coughs> Wes is um, a very, uh, an extremely personable guy. And I think uh, that's. Um, uh, what? What's, <laughs> the, what's your objection to that? <laughs> uh he's a very personable guy and uh someone who's very easy to talk to and uh these conversations are um you know i would say delightful for me so um that's a good sign i feel the uh, same way thank you very much and it's it's absolutely that's that's absolutely separate from his intelligence these are these are separate intelligences even though west doesn't believe in multiple intelligences um i don't believe, I believe... in mul-
0: no it's not that i don't yeah, you believe do. in... oh, my, oh, oh my
1: god oh my god okay yeah explain
0: well, I, uh, oh, all right. So, uh, so for, all right, we, we'll get into that in a minute. But first of all, my, uh, my podcast partner here is the inimitable Ted Dorsey, uh, Ted at TutorTed.com, who's been doing SAT and ACT prep for a very long time. And uh, that's, that's really underselling it, because it's not that he's been doing it for a long time. It's, he's
1: really freaking good at it. Is what it is.
0: Um, and, uh, and I think that comes from um, uh, the kind of deliberate learning that I think uh, has been a part of your je ne sais pourquoi for quite some time. Uh, actually I do know why, uh, I just don't know how. Um, and, uh, multiple intelligences. No, no, no. I, it's not that I don't believe in multiple intel. I, I, I certainly think that people have different strengths and weaknesses and that's reasonable to subdivide different categories of intelligences in different ways, but I would not say that, you know, uh, your, you know, um, oh, let's see, where would I draw the line? Um, there, there, there are many, um, i i i think I, I would only object to the idea of oh you have a you know um as though we were playing dungeons and dragons you have a 15 in creative thinking and a 13 in you know and we rate these various scores and it's fixed for life right it's it's not it's not so much the multiple thing it's the it's the sort of fixed mindset that it tends to lead into and in, in so many cases ah, ah okay
1: that's great that's that's an interesting clarification and that I, I can totally be with you on that that makes perfect sense to me and I, I um the fixed mindset is so problematic. It's so dangerous. I, oh gosh, I can tell yeah. a little story there. I, yeah. I do think that, I mean, we live in a time when we try to measure everything and we try to, you know, quantify. Of um, and I think some of that actually, like it, I was going to say is useful, but I think that a better way of saying it is like, it serves a purpose. You know what I mean? Mm. Like useful, useful kind of has, feels like it has like a grander thing. It's like, no, this is just, it gets us somewhere. It helps us understand a little bit. It doesn't, Explain the world it's not like it, you know it does not equal reality but it can be useful you know it, it, it does something for us um, yeah so um, and I just said useful again which is funny I said it's not useful but it is anyway um, this is how these conversations go sometimes
0: um,
1: I, I had this student whose mother uh, emailed me it was so. this is such an interesting and weird one is this recent um, by
0: the way or is this kind of from the archives uh,
1: this is like last couple weeks oh
0: yeah okay all right
1: um, student came in with a 20 on the ACT math.
0: Okay, kind of a middle of the road score, would you say?
1: It's middle of the road, and it's actually below college eligible. Yeah, the college eligible standard is like 22. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and obviously people go to college on that score anyway. But you know, you want you want to get it above that.
0: Want, and, just, and just for those who aren't familiar, our ACT is on a scale of one to 36. It's one to 36
1: when they first devised it, they meant for 18 to be the, the mean and uh-huh. every six points to be a standard deviation. Yeah. And as, as these things go, they the, the, the numbers sure. change and the, the mean is more like 21 point something now. Okay.
0: Um, but the average score on the ACT is not quite enough to be college ready is, is part of what you're telling us.
1: It depends. On, well, it depends on which college you're going
0: to. Obviously. Okay. Sure. And, All right. Um, I'll stop derailing your story. Go ahead.
1: No, no, no. Um, so anyway, she started with a 20 on the math. Yep. She took the April ACT, it was her first real test ever, okay. uh, April 2021, yep. and she got a 25 on the math. okay? So from a 20 to a 25. That's great. Um, one standard deviation is uh, six points. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the margin for error is like between two and three points. So basically, if you scored two and a half <laughs> points better or two points better on one test than another one, you can't be sure that that actually represents true improvement. You yeah. score five points better then actually that is statistically significant
0: yeah yeah, yeah. Um, Some, something has happened yeah
1: exactly so uh, the the mother in an email to me said um, she was kind of she, the kid improved was it I think, like, I don't know, six or seven points on the whole. You know, like, it was, it was a good. Like, um, the entire test score improved by quite a bit.
0: Um, and it's worth pointing out, a standard deviation is is no freaking joke. Like, that's a different category of performance. That's why – I mean, that's a big part of why standard deviations exist, to sort of bucketize, right, to, to, to sort of sort right. things into buckets that are significant, right? And
1: each <clears throat> one and each standard deviation should be and, and pretty much is – the same sort of leap, you know, yeah. Um, the same, the same level of improvement. And, uh, one other kind of reference point for standard deviations is 100 points on the SAT is meant to be a standard deviation. So yeah. if you go up by a hundred points, which is, that's a number that people like, and that is, you know, uh, you, you can tell that's a good improvement.
0: That's yeah. what we're talking
1: about. So yeah, in yeah. this case, she was improving by, you know, 83 and a third points, you know, in terms of SAT, which is like pretty darn good. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. So the, So the mother sends me an email, and we're talking about the improvement. And I, I, I actually preemptively sent her sort of a celebratory email, basically saying, "Hey, cool, you know, you went up as much, isn't that great?" That's great. Um, And the mother's like, "Ah, "About you know, yes, we're happy with the result. You know, the math score is the math score. You know, aptitude is aptitude." And that sentence, oh God, I just. I hate that sentence so very much. And it comes back to what you're saying about fixed, fixed abilities. You know, it's like, no, 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 you know, for one thing, this test doesn't measure aptitude, you know? Um, yeah, that's true. A, a long time ago, the SAT was the scholastic aptitude test. And, and they the changed, and they changed the name because the inten- they didn't want, yeah, sorry. And the intention was to measure a skill that went beyond your academic, uh,
0: performance
1: and measured your actual like talent level. Right. And then they dropped it and it became just the SAT. Yeah. Um, The ACT is measuring, I I call it your math vocabulary, basically like, you know, what's your kind of vocabulary knowledge level on, on, of of math from fourth grade through 11th grade, you know, if you, if you're taking pre-calculus. So uh, the kid has improved this much and the mom, the mom basically starts by ignoring the improvement and then attributes the improvement to, uh, or, or, or the, or the lack, the perceived lack of improvement to aptitude. And I just, I couldn't resist. And I was just like, Hey, I'd like to have a conversation about that. You know, like this is actually, you know, let's, let's talk. Um, because the problem, the problem for me in that situation, by the way, this is, related to tutoring, not related to our topic at hand necessarily, but um, just, a, I don't know, just an interesting story. We'll
0: see. Reason. Remains to be seen. I'm, I'm kind of linking it up in my mind. Go on. Awesome. <laughs> that's, oh
1: God, I can always count on you for that. <laughs> Making my irrelevant nonsense uh, relevant. Far from um, it, far
0: from it. <laughs>
1: um, the problem for me is that uh, the parents' beliefs can become the students' beliefs, of course, you know, and, and often do. Parent
0: parent St- beliefs becoming student beliefs. I mean, that's that's why I pay my therapist. Like, <laughs> I
1: mean, you know, that's what it is. Um, okay, and why, and why and why your kids will pay their therapist? Yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah. how it
1: works. That's just how it works. You know what I mean? So.
0: Okay, let's let's get into yeah. it. So, so first yeah. of all, I'm I'm reminded. Um, I'm reminded a few years ago. There's um, a, a pair of parents of, 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 a <clears throat> of a really favorite student of mine. Um, and the parents are both fantastic folks. I don't want to, I don't want to name check them cause I don't want to embarrass them, uh, or anything of no. that sort, but, but really great people. And when I was first writing, uh, how to be a brighter student, um, the mom, uh, who had, who had uh, a solid writing background, uh, um, did me the service as sort of a, you know, pre-edit kind of you know quick pass to sort of point out some of the hot spots and all that kind of good stuff which was great and you know one of the things that that we got into a little bit which was super interesting is um you know my whole book is premised around the idea that that what we think of as this separate category of people bright people right are doing a bunch of stuff that um, that sort of magnify, you know, whatever, whatever gifts they may have, or at least they could be doing those things and that these things are learnable. Right. And so the, the, the notion is that if we, if we pay attention to these lessons, then we can make, we can make, um we can, we can leverage our gifts better, right. We can get more out of, um mm. you know, the different intelligences that we have and all that kind of good stuff. And one of the, one of the things she said is, you know um uh, you know, I, I, I agree with what you're saying, and these are really good points, but there comes a point at which, you know, bright is bright. Like there are sort of you know, yes. and and that that one didn't bother me in that context, mm. because contextually, you know, um, what she was pointing out is that it it, it benefits everybody if we can deconflate um, h- uh, how powerful your engine is versus how good a driver you are. And they're, they're both important. Right. And this book is about becoming a better driver, but it's not about, you, you know, like your engine is your engine is. And, and yet you know uh i i don't believe that your engine is your engine i do believe that there are things you can do that will actually improve the engine over time you know it's it's laborious but it works um but again her her point wasn't that it can't be done her point was just that, that that's not the point of your book the point of your book is let's let's think about these skills and 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 to that degree uh, i certainly agree but that whole
1: can I, can I jump in on that real quick yeah i'm curious about well one quick observation and then i'm gonna ask my question of you um Observation is I love that you use the word more. You know, basically like you know how you know writer making a comparison, basically saying like let's let's go from where we are and let's get a little bit better at what
0: we do. Yeah, because the thing is, like, am am I going to become a genius? Oh my god, that can be just a an incredibly anxiety-producing and torturous question to ask. But you know, am I going to end the day with slightly more skill than I had at the beginning? Okay, that's a bar I can I can get behind trying to clear.
1: I, gosh, I, I find that word so problematic, genius. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's, no, it's, for sure. I, and I, I mean, I, I used it on purpose, right? Just to point out how freighted it is.
1: It, it, it's, even the people that we think of as geniuses or referred to as geniuses, I, I think, I don't think we're doing them a disservice. I think we're doing ourselves a disservice by thinking of them that way, you know? It's oh, like, for sure. These are just people. Yeah, you know? totally. Um, so here's, um, Here's my question to you. So yesterday we were talking and you were saying how um, the way we think is, the way our minds work is as a series of hacks, right? Oh yeah, we're getting into this. Yeah, sure. So the the thing Mm -hmm. I'm wondering is (laughs) some minds are probably capable of taking on hacks more quickly, finding the most efficient hacks and choosing them and adopting them. Right. Um, But, If you're just, if you're learning hacks and if that's kind of the primary job of getting smarter, then like how much does horsepower really matter?
0: Okay. You know, if you're working with the
1: time and can you learn as many hacks as you would need or become, learn enough hacks to become, you know, what some people might regard as a genius, you know, even if you're not.
0: (laughs) Okay. So, um, this, this also gets into the dichotomy between, um, like in, in business development or, um, in, um entrepreneurial circles, right? Um, It's great that you have a great idea, but execution really matters. Well, obviously what matters is sort of a good idea and great execution, but you know obviously you need to have both and execution is the thing that people are usually missing and in the same way like if if you want to be like a proper you know incredible unusual you know very successful you know whatever genius call it what you will right but if you if you want to if you want to move far to the right on whatever you want to call that axis you need to have both right you need to have some potential and you need to realize it but the fact is that like realizing the potential you have That's the low-hanging fruit. So that's where our focus goes, right? It's it's not really about how much can you change the workings of your brain. It's more about let's do the part that we can do most easily. And now I wanna, I totally want to get into it for a few different reasons. First of all, to get back to 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 get into your conversation with that parent. So there I think there is a degree to which aptitude is aptitude in the sense that not. Not in the sense of this child cannot possibly become super skilled at a thing that she currently has no skill in. That's absolutely possible, right? But, But she's not doing it by the time the ACT score needs to get turned in. Right, that mm-hmm. like if she decides that she wants to become the world champion underwater basket weaver and she's never swum before, like that's you can do that in a lifetime, mm-hmm. but if you've decided you want to get a 36 on the ACT, you're not going to do that in nine months. You know, I don't care if you're working with Ted, right? Like it's just, like the, that's just too far to go, right? In in the given time. I, and I've often said mm-hmm. to people, like I I can get you a perfect score on the SAT or the ACT. You know, it's just that you're going to have to take off. You're going to have to take a year off from school to do it, and we're going to do a bunch of stuff that you're going to prefer to have done other things in that year, like. You know, it's it's not that it can't be done. Mm. It's that there's there's a there's a price you pay for it. Sort of there's a price you pay with your soul, right? <laughs> because you know, mm-hmm. um, because some of the things that you have to learn in order to do that, you know, are of uh, sort of limited value outside that context. And yet, I'm going to contradict myself to some degree with what I'm going to say next, which is that okay. Granted, there are some kinds of improvement that you can't do in the time frame that you're dealing with here. But the thing that really saddens me about that parent comment that you were laying is that. There's a ton of stuff you can change in in that time frame. And the beautiful part is some of it is useful only in the context of the ACT, but not nearly as much as people think. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, it is true that the ACT is testing your total, you know, how much of uh, you you said, uh, I I forget how you said it, but it's testing sort of how well you've encyclopedized in your mind, the math that you're supposed to have learned in the math
1: vocabulary, math
0: vocabulary. Thank you. Okay. So yes, that's true. Right. And so to some degree, it's like, okay, we got to fill in the pages that are a little bit fuzzy. Right? And it's like, well, that's only useful for the ACT. Well, no. The reason it's part of a math curriculum is that it's going to come in handy for other things later, too. So there's intrinsic value there. But the meta value kind of swamps all of it, like the value of, okay, we're going to do an A to Z review of what you know in this relatively broad field, we're going to find the spots where you're missing some stuff, and then we're going to look at ways that you can take on board, not just new knowledge, but new schema for thinking, not only quickly, but in a way that won't fall apart under the pressure of a test. Like there's a lot there. There is so much there. There are so
1: many separate, valuable lessons within that, right? It's yeah. like, you're, you know, we I, we can we can take a, a target area and we can improve it and that can be done. And I can show you that that can be done and you can use that, you can take that knowledge into the rest of your life. We That's are right. going to know that there is a, a certain amount of anxiety that you feel when you take a test and we are going to work through that, feel it, and process it and achieve a result despite that. I mean, like what I mean, what are you talking about? Right. These are insanely valuable lessons.
0: Exactly. And it's not like it's AC, it's not like it's ACT specific. And here's where we bring no. it around to the the topic that, you know, we're ostensibly supposed to be talking about here, which is that if you're if you're really approaching learning from um Oh gosh, I, I was about to say from the right perspective. Uh, let me just say that there are perspectives from which you can approach learning any topic that will give you all kinds of sort of follow-on bonuses that can swamp the value of the thing you're setting out to learn. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Like, um, yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm about to go like, I want to go so deep and meta on that. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's, um, I don't think we're, I don't think I'm quite ready for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's just, I was just thinking about... Um, I don't know. Like there, there's like a there's a personal and human quality to what we're talking about um, that I think comes through, and that I think is sometimes de- sometimes uh, mentally kept separate, often separate from people's perspective about education, um, that they don't see it as a personal activity, um, as an important um, like interactive uh, like quality um, where they think it's facts and figures they think it's sure details you know and it is but it isn't and it's and that the the how you learn is as important or more important than the what you learn
0: yeah that's that's yeah that's exactly right that's i sometimes use the analogy with folks who have have trouble kind of connecting those dots that like getting good at reading is not about like Oh yeah, I have trouble every time I see the letter V. Mm-hmm. You know, oh let's let's drill the letter V until it's like that's not that's not like yes, reading does involve the letters, but like fundamentally, you know, mm-hmm. it's not like one of the twenty six letters is causing you trouble if you're having reading. That's not that's not what it's about, right? Yeah. Um, and the thing is, real, this. go ahead. Yeah, go ahead.
1: So, yeah, I had a real um, I had an interesting moment last night. So I was teaching this class, and it was the first time I taught them, and they were terrific. It was like a really really great group of kids. Um, and they, um, you know, it's a funny thing, actually, this is, you know, classic me going on a tangent. And then from there, another tangent. Um, the, uh, I don't like calling my students kids actually, because I think kids is like, it, it separates the generations and, the, and like the, it, it, it draws a distinction between us that I don't, am not actually not, I, I'm, I, I'm not comfortable with on their behalf, but I'm not even comfortable with in general. It's like, this is not, you know, yes, they don't, have, don't, they don't have as much experience as I do. And that's the only thing I might be pointing at. And that's the reason I'm doing most of the teaching, not all the teaching, most of the teaching. Um, but I, I just, I don't like the, I don't like the generational divide that, that creates. Anyway, the, the, the interesting moment during this class was that I, I kept modeling for them what it looks like to get something wrong and, or to learn from your own error. And I was doing it live. You know what I mean? I was totally, it was happening in the moment and I wasn't really intentional until it started happening. Then I was like, Oh, this is kind of fun. You know, I'll show them how a person can think, um, and how a person can even be conscious and, you know, being conscious of your own thinking is that's, that's something that you and I specialize in, uh, and other people's thinking as well. But, um, you know, I, I don't think it's always like the most important thing, but by showing it, by kind of like talking it through, I think they could see it's hopefully they could see oh not only is it okay to get something wrong it's useful you know and we and and from getting something wrong we can walk through to understanding it better understanding our own understanding you know what i mean like become better learners basically so i don't know just an interesting just an interesting moment from that class you know, no that makes perfect sense yeah. the
0: thing for me is how that relates back to parenting right and mm. um if there's, if there's, boy, if there's one thing I do not want to do, it's give parenting advice, um, because, <laughs> oh boy, um, parenting is hard. Um, but what I will say is that there is a lot of crossover between what we do and parenting, at least on the theoretical level in the sense that like, um, oh gosh, where do I begin? Um, I'm thinking about some of the, 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 you know, sort of the parenting choices that, that, uh, my co-parent and I have been having with respect to our kids where. You're constantly making this choice of like, okay, on one hand, I want to stop this behavior that's happening in this moment because it's causing some difficulties. Um, but at the same time, it's like, well, okay, I have to sort of balance stopping this behavior in this moment and sort of training this kind of behavior out in future. But as soon as I use the word training, it's like, well, you know, I'm not talking about a dog here. Like what I really want is... Is for this kid to see this from my perspective and make choices I would prefer? Or is that really what I want? Because that's sort of speaking to compliance, like, yes, to some degree, right? If, if she's hitting her brother, then okay, we've got to stop that. But like, you know, you really get into this thing of like, um, there's a level of intentionality there where it's like, okay you know i I have a minute or two into in in which to make some decisions around this situation whatever it may be and sometimes it's just like okay we got to shut this down and move on but sometimes it's like okay there's a teaching moment here maybe and you know i can kind of catalyze towards a teaching moment and then the frustrating part of course is right you you set something up so that so that you know the kid gets oh wait a minute i never thought of it that way right and then of course you've got to deal with for the next 6 months it's not going to change behavior it's it's one of those things that kind of gets filed away and only comes out later um <clears throat> but there's there's so many i'm sorry to talk about a, a super tangent a super meta but like there's no 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 it's great there's so much about that where it's like yeah this is you know any um any relationship that has the property that one or both parties is meant to get something out of it has some of these properties and so it occurs to me like that's a real connection between tutoring and parenting right is there's this very like you know in the case someone is paying you to give the student something right and in the same way like um you know being a parent oh my gosh talk about a costly uh, <laughs> undertaking um you know not just in money but just in, in attention and like you know there's just so much that goes into it. i mean i, I feel dumb saying that out loud because it's so obvious how much do
1: you as someone who is both a parent and an observer of parents, um, do, are you able to keep sort of like a split, dual mindset? Or, you know, and and does that sort of external knowledge inform your parenting? Because I I think that um, oh yeah I I, I yes, know as, yes to all yeah <laughs> I know as a tutor I think I see it I, I see the relationship and and the uh, effect of the relationship a little bit different than the parent does because. I think they, the the viewpoint can be a little bit myopic at times, you know, um, you want what you want for your kid. You may adjust that if you're thoughtful over time. Um, but you're, you're just kind of stuck with that, that one mindset. So do you benefit from, and can you, can you, can you elaborate on how you've benefited from being outside that relationship
0: too? Yes to all. So the first thing to, to point out is, you know, I've been a tutor for over 20 years, um, I've been a parent for seven and for, you know, for some of those seven years, I did not have, you know, sort of a, uh, you know, a verbal sort of, you know, fully conscious in the way we think of, you know, right. So my, my point is that, right, my two kids, kids, kids were
1: not fully verbal. Yeah,
0: that. exactly. Right. And and none of my kids are yet as old as the kind of student that I most typically work with. Right. They're not so my taking parent, AMC yeah exactly um you know might be on the path but like we're not there yet for sure so um so the 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 thing i'm saying here is that that it's um i'm in that like um kind of dunning kruger zone with respect to this in that um like I, i you know i have some game when it comes to tutoring i have some experience i you know to some degree right i know what i'm doing when it comes to parenting oh my gosh no that's just crazy like you know i could see i could see like um uh, you know, a parent of four or five kids where all the kids are adults, it's like, okay, that person, ha- you know, has some serious game. But for the rest of us, it's like, we're we're never going to get there. And in any case, my kids are too young to be any part. Of it. So I guess what I'm saying, f- first of all, is that parenting is the kind of thing that, you know, unlike most things you don't get to, generally speaking, you don't do it 20 times. You know, most right. of the things that we, most of the things we get good at in our career, it's like we have a lot of opportunity to do it again and again and again and again and again. But right. like, you know, you learn how to parent a seven-year-old and then you have another seven-year-old mm-hmm. and it's a different seven-year-old. And like by the time you feel like you know what's going on, nobody's seven anymore, right? Right, exactly. So, exactly. so that's that's part of the, that's part of the issue. But the, which is why parenting books and, you know, groups and stuff can be so very, very valuable. But anyway, um, but, mm-hmm. but the other piece of it is that even setting that stuff aside, right? i'm still new enough to this game right that uh you know i don't understand all the pieces of that so so some of the things that that come up for me um are that it's really easy for me to assume certain kinds of sort of parenting understanding that in fact i I lack right so it's 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 um it is very helpful for me to remember okay like i'm not this kid's parent right i am not like insofar as i can empathize with the parents that's helpful but like it's very helpful to remember that like yeah no i don't i don't really know what their frame is you know i I try to understand what their frame is and so on but yeah it's not like being a parent gives me any kind of magical powers in that respect but one thing it really does do is it gives me even more um depth of empathy for what the parents are doing because Mm -hmm. the fact is that like you know um parenting is is so like um Some of the other difficult things that we do in life that are just sort of multidimensional and complicated, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, yes, you may have some values that you're trying to parent according to or pass along to your kids or whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, like there's, you know, there's the there's the logistics of getting them to where they need to go there's the the long-term vision of what relationship you want to have with them what you want to pass along to them and then there's the business of like you know they're in the middle of a class well you've been in classes before you have some experience you can you know you can help them understand that if they if they do their homework on time then they will experience they will have a better experience that sort of thing and yet mm-hmm. Again, you have the problem that anecdote gets confused with data, right? Like what worked for you as a student may or may not Mm -hmm. work for your daughter as a student because she may or may not have some of the same temperamental bits that made that thing work well for you. So, I mean, it's just like at the end of the day, it's like, okay, I have some more perspectives on it, but mostly it just feels like a messier soup where you just got to, you know, take a deep breath and empathize with the student, with the parent, with the teachers who are doing their best and, you know, dive in there, suit up and, you know, do the best you can to make a difference.
1: Of course, of course. I mean, that's all we can ever do, right? It's the best yeah. we can. I mean, I, I, I come at this from two perspectives. Okay. One is my own as a as a pupil, as a student, sure. um, and then one is a, observing my kids as well and you know, my students. I said kids again. Um, the, I, I say kids in an affectionate way. You know what yeah, I mean? yeah. That's the like, you know they're like, understood.
0: They're, they're my. There's um, a coworker of mine who always referred to our students as kiddos, which I thought was nice because it's such an unusual word that it was like, okay, we're clearly using this in a context, you know, to speak warmly and to categorize them without putting too much freight on it. Anyway.
1: Right. And to continue down that tangent, the only danger of that is if the student hears you call them a kiddo, they may feel belittled. For sure. That's what I'm trying to avoid. (laughs) Unless
0: they're a Quentin Tarantino fan, in which case they may be complimented.
1: Uh, Which, what, 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 Kill Bill Beatrice
0: Kiddo is the protagonist, isn't that right? That's right. I I think, I think that's, I think that's, I think that's that's Uma Thurman's character. I saw volume one, I
1: don't think I saw volume two.
0: I don't Um, even, yeah, so, so long ago. I don't know. It was fine.
1: It was fine. It's so not my genre. Okay. Um, Yeah, I I appreciate professionalism, and that's, that's what I can say. It was, it was fine. Um, anyway, um, the way that people learn, the way that students learn is. Um, by themselves. Um, you, 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 can be imparted with something and, but even if you memorize something, even if you memorize a thought process, you have to make it your own. And oh, when you don't, there is some danger. There's, there's like some kind of like a f- potential feeling of isolation, basically, where it's like, I do this because I was told to do this. And you, you can find so many examples in so many contexts of people who, you know, in a way, in a way, weirdly, that's brainwashing when you you know what I mean? When you think the way that someone else told you to think and you don't question it and you don't customize it and you don't add it into your own sort of, you know, system of thinking uh, in a way that works just for you. Um, so because it has to happen on an individual level, because it has to happen for the individual, you can't, as a teacher, force it. You know, they have to pick it up. They have to get it, and you can keep inviting them in, and they have to walk through the door. Well, sort of the op- this is the opposite of Dracula, who wants to come in. You know what I mean? Like you, 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 you want this vampire to come into your house, and you're begging him. But he has to well, make the decision.
0: Yeah, no, and and this is, I mean, this is this connects back to parenting too, right? Because it's it's a very very easy to fall into frame as a parent that you can make your kids do stuff. You know, right? Um, and. <clears throat> You can make them repeat after you maybe, but like at the end of the day, you can't make them think, yeah, exactly. Like Mm -hmm. there, there really is a limit to what you can do. Right. Right. Um, and, um, I, I think one of the challenges, well, one of the challenges that I've experienced personally as a parent is, you know, coming to recognize that in a very real sense, I have no power over the thing I care most about for them, which is what they think, nor should I. Like, it is not my place to decide what another human thinks, right? But, like, I'm going to keep opening the door. And, you know, in certain ways, there are certain, you know, kinds of thought that I would like for them to have facility with. But, like, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, I may be related to them, but they're not me. And so, you know. um, They have to decide. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, which is yeah. super easy to say when you're not standing at the playground with a, you know, a screaming kid who refuses to get in the car and, you know, yaddy. I mean, you know, obviously it's easy to be highfalutin about this stuff when we're in the middle of a podcast and not in the middle of one of those. But,
1: you know, still.
0: Right? Yeah, I mean,
1: they, they they have to have a reason to realize that, like, slugging another kid on the playground is not a good idea, you know? Um, yeah. And they can learn that from discipline. They could, They, they can learn that from discipline. But... That that won't that won't stick. That won't be lasting. You know what I mean. Well, they you know to, they I, have I, to have a reason besides my parent wants me to do it this way.
0: Well, I you know and again right like there are certain ages where my parent wants me to do it is very effective mm-hmm. for that age and it might be a lasting lesson. But like there's just an enormous amount of nuance in uh, like <clears throat> if you if you get the sort of developmental appropriateness of your intervention wrong, mm-hmm. then it's not only ineffective but you look like a total moron in front of all the other parents and all <laughs> you know it's like uh, i can't tell you, you know, like sometimes my kids surprise me in the sense of like oh gosh i'm kind of you know i'm kind of hitting them over the head with this idea when really i don't need to be nearly so dogmatic about it they get it and then the flip side is true too right like i'm trying to reason with a toddler who's and it's like i'm not going to reason with this toddler let's just pick him up off the you know and just move him into the car and we'll go get some ice cream or like whatever you know whatever uh, yeah of
1: course of course that's funny that's- that's a good example. But, um, I, I just thought I, I thought of a family. I was I was going to tell the my favorite and my favorite. I mean least favorite um, sort of like example of like a family type. And I think probably my guess is everybody knows one or two of these family types. Yeah. What okay. Got, go ahead. What you got? Oh, yeah. Well, I've
0: got, I've got I've got something on the queue, but I, I don't mean to. Know Great. It. Go Cue ahead. It.
1: Great. No, no, yeah. Me. It's Cue cute. It up. Yep. Um, so I, I'm going to I'm going to speak about this this family type in general, and then I'm going to give one example and basically how it fails. <laughs> oh, um, just just one demonstration of how it can fail. Yeah, sure. Um, so the the family type is the one where everybody has names that start with the same letter, including the dog. Okay, so it's like <laughs> it's Benji and Brian and you know, the mom is Bever- Beverly and uh-huh. Brianna, you know, and, and and it just goes down the list, right? Uh-huh. And, um, and and buckles the German
0: shepherd. Go on.
1: Yeah. But, oh, that's a great. That's an amazing dog name. <laughs> um, yeah. They are all expected to go to the same college. And that college is usually the one that typically the father went to. Maybe the father and the mother. Uh, but this is like, the, this is an old school model I'm describing. And uh-huh. I don't know. Maybe maybe there's an update. Maybe everyone. Bodwin maybe
0: trying... or Bryn Mawr or Barnard. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Sticking Love with the beacons.
0: Speci-
1: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, the specific example I have to share is a, um, a student of mine. He was the, uh, I did not work with his older brothers. Uh, another weird thing about this is they all tend to be of the same gender. Um, okay. children for some reason, all just like, I don't know how the, the genetics, how that works. Um, you know, but it, it just seems like, you know, and, and there are four boys in the family. Anyway, he was, I think he was, he was the last, he was the youngest. and I think he was the third. He could have been the fourth, but I think he was the third. Okay. And he was the first of the family that I worked with. Okay. And father went to Georgetown, Mm -hmm. oldest brother went to Georgetown middle brother went to Georgetown. Okay. Guess where this one's going, right? Guess where this one has to go. Sure. Yes. Okay. Um, So the problem was that he was a different person (laughs) than than his siblings and then his dad. Um, And he wasn't, he wasn't all that like preternaturally gifted. He was smart Um, He was totally acceptably smart, Um, but he, I don't think, had he not been in this family, I don't think that he would have gravitated towards Georgetown. I don't think that would have been, his college counselor would not have started with that on his list. Right. So um, the parents in that situation, they really won't take no for an answer. Mm. And the demands get to be so rigorous and then ultimately so out of line with the reality of the situation that um, there is suffering, you know,
0: the kid ends
1: up suffering and uh, I saw it, I witnessed it. And and in fact, not only does the kid suffer, the test prep professional can also suffer because the, 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 the demands are just but let's—they're they're beyond reality. No,
0: that's that's totally true. But let's focus on the let's focus on the real one, which is that the relationship between the kid and the parents over the long term is going to suffer. I mean, that's the one yeah. that breaks my heart. You know, it's like you're gonna you're gonna leave my practice and you're gonna go off and you're gonna do things and I, you know, well, I mean, I'm sad for a while, but like, ooh, this relationship is going to be your parent-child relationship for the rest of your lives.
1: And you know what? You know what's even worse than that? Honestly, what's amazingly somehow even worse than that is the relationship within the kid is going to suffer. Basically yeah, sure. that kid's not developing a holistic <coughs>
0: identity. You know? Well yeah. That kid's developing the- an
1: identity that's half family, half themselves. Yeah. And there's a schism.
0: Oh, believe me, having having gone to a uh, to an extremely selective undergraduate Uh, institution i'm sure you can't relate to this at all there were there were there were plenty of people there and i may have been one of them i will uh you know whatever um but for whom integrating those two identities was a real i mean that was an uphill struggle right there's the there's the you know the person you are insofar as you are intrinsically you know a particular person and then there's the sort of the you know the um the vision of you that um has been sort of um You know, built and on which you recognize you rely in part for your admission to this exclusive institution. Right. If you know, if everyone hadn't been kind of pushing you along and sort of, you know, holding you to these high standards and all this stuff, it's like, well, geez, what I've gotten here, you know, and then imposter syndrome comes in and there's, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff that's in there. Yeah. The, to pop the bookmark, because this might be a time to get yeah. to it, right? Yeah. Might might be a nice segue. The second order effects is sort of the phrase that I would use to describe a lot of what we're talking about here, right? You're mm-hmm. you're doing a thing in order to get a result, but because you are influencing a dynamic system, another person, right? They will adjust to the thing that's being imposed externally mm-hmm. in ways that may be hard to predict. And the, the story for me that really encapsulates this was the... Uh, I think she was a high school sophomore. I had this student, oh, probably a decade ago. Um, and uh, I'm sad to say, I don't even remember her name. I'm usually pretty good about that stuff. But <clears throat> she came to me and she was having trouble in her math class. And it, it became clear that part of what was going on was that um, the way her parents were trying to be directly supportive of her were causing some trouble. And as I as I did some more digging, I recognized that like... The, since the girl was a very young age, the, the 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 dad had had like played games with her and done stuff with her that was clearly intended to help her have this certain certain basis of knowledge, right? So, for example, the um like she knew the powers of two up to two to the twelfth because the, you know that mm. was just a thing that the that the dad had always done, and uh w- which is I mean, I say that with some sort of um uh personal embarrassment because i've done the same thing to my daughter on some levels right mm-hmm. like there are certain things that she knows that are sort of not in the first grade curriculum because i've you know i've just i don't know that's just a thing that you do is oh it's important to know these hey you know who knows that they're, they're anyway that doesn't matter but the, the point was that that while while the student had learned these powers of two what hadn't what she hadn't done is learned why the dad cared like they were clearly like of intrinsic interest to the dad there was some interesting puzzle going on with the powers of two and like it was valuable to him and enjoyable to him and all this kind of stuff but none of that stuff was enjoyable to her so it was just this random knowledge collecting dust on a shelf over here where it's not it's not enriching her life in any way and it's not even enriching the relationship between the 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 student and the parent right and it was just like oh oh god you you won the battle and lost the war on that one you know um and there's there's so much much of that that i think we see in um you know as as sort of intimate but external observers of some of these relationships at least with respect to education where the second order effects matter right the first order effect that the dad is going for is i would like my daughter to know this stuff and again i'm just admitting right i've fallen into that same mindset with my own kids um and yet you got to recognize that like yeah you're not programming a computer here right? You're talking to another human and they will have their own interpretation of why you're saying the thing you're saying and why it might be important and how it's going to resonate forward and all this kind of stuff. And that's why that sort of top down, you know, fill the pitcher of their mind with the water of knowledge is just a dumpster fire because they're not a pitcher and it isn't water, right? Like you're going to, you're going to, you're going to kindle the fire or you're not, but like once it started, it's out of your hands, Jack, you know? Um, I'm thinking about those powers of
1: 2 and and uh I'm I'm thinking that the content is interesting. The content's actually kind of um well, actually you know what? It's kind of interesting. It can be interesting. But I think the purpose of it and you were getting at this and I like I like the verb you used, you know, this idea of like kindling the fire. Um kindling the fire is basically acknowledging that uh you are not the fire; <laughs> the kid is the fire, um, and they are doing their thing separately right. from you. Right, um, totally. So the, the the point I would the point I would make is that you could teach the same exact content, and it can be doing different work for different people. Absolutely, you
0: know? absolutely. If I could go back in time and teach myself some things that i wish i knew at the time i feel like i would have some modicum of success with that because i know my own mind and even if i don't know my own mind like i am me and you talking to you is just easier than someone else talking to you but even so there'd be limitations i don't have a perfect recollection of what i was like at 17 i'd probably meet myself and be like gosh this guy's kind of more different than i realized but like when you're when you're not even talking to yourself, you're talking to a different human entirely, oh my gosh, it's the height of hubris that oh yeah, I can you know I can catalyze it. you know it's like, yeah, okay, we have a lot of experience, we have a lot of different tools, we have a lot of different ways we can, in fact, we can reliably catalyze certain uh certain changes in people's minds for sure, yeah. but it's not it, it's not like, oh, here is the path, and we can get everyone to to you know to follow the path it's like there are 20 different paths and i i know something about all 20 paths and they all Mm -hmm. go to the same destination i can reliably get you to the destination but like i don't know what path you're going to take because that's on you like you're going to need to you know you're going to need to change right you're going to need to take on these new ideas you're going to need to test these things that we're suggesting are going to be helpful to you you're going to need to decide that this test is worth this effort like there's just a yeah you can't yeah
1: I really like this verb right now, which is like uh, that we are inviting people to change. You know what I mean? That it's basically like- It sounds so
0: um, Northern California when you say it that way though.
1: It's okay. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I'm I'm learning about Northern California, so help me out. But, uh, (laughs) um, you know, the idea of just like, um, I like the 20 pads. I like, you know, I'm also kind of thinking of even fewer than that. You know what I mean? Like four or five pads. Sure, okay, okay, whatever. Um, and, And just saying like, down this path is this, you know, it'll feel this way. It'll require this type of work. Um, that is that path. <laughs> path B, we'll, you know, th- we'll, we'll look and feel like this. And then just inviting each person to sort of um, make their own decision and then show them, you know, give them the, sort of like the guideposts of, of like, you know, along the way, Yep. this is what you're going to experience. And, and let me even kind of like recognize that when you get there and tell you, it's like, hey, you're at point A. Yep. Congratulations.
0: Well, one of the things that I like about the word inviting in this context is that it, it, uh, it makes clear that the student has locus of control. The student has agency. The student has to make the decision of whether they want to learn this thing or not. The thing I don't like about it is that to me, it, it sort of, um, it implies that I'm going to stand at the doorway and gesture at it, but you're going to have to do all the work. And you're going to have to figure out the path and stuff. And like, even as I say that, it's like, well, actually, that's kind of true. I am just kind of gesturing and you do have to figure out your own path. But um, the, the difference is that uh, I feel like um, I'm not merely inviting, but I am a knowledgeable tour guide. Right. You have to decide that you're going to come on the tour, but like, it's not like I'm going to put you in a kayak and send you down class five rapids and not be there with an, or with you. Like I'm, you know, we're, you know, you, you have my expertise to rely on. We're going to be safe in this, in this context, right? You're going to have a real adventure. Yes. You're going to be on the river, but like, you know, you're not going to be in life threatening danger the way you would be if you tried to chart these waters alone. Um, and I've never found a way to sort of, sort of simultaneously say that like, you know, you're gonna be fine, right? Like I know this territory and I'm gonna guide you. Um, and yet, maybe that's the way to put it, right? Like, we will be your experienced guide, whatever, but there is not a single step on this path we're taking for you. Like you still have to walk the walk. <laughs> you know, it's just that I'm standing right next to you and I can help you find your footing at any point that you may get you may get lost.
1: This is an interesting one. I I, I think I probably, sh- I think I have shared this before on the podcast. I'm not sure, but um, I had this joke with several students over the years uh, about that they, they wanted me to be with them in the test, but they didn't really need me to be there sharing stuff out loud with them. They just needed to know that I was like a potential guide to them. I, I don't even know. And it'd, it'd be interesting to like try to figure out exactly what
0: what it was kind of the, like the, there was like there was a little you on their shoulder kind of whispering in their ear in the sense that like, oh, what would what would Ted tell me to do in this situation? Oh, what well, Ted would say to you? Oh, maybe I'll do that. That kind of the, thing.
1: The joke we had was that they would have a little framed picture of me framed. Right. <laughs> and I would literally be like this. It, it, you, you, you can't hear this, obviously. <laughs> About to explain something, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, like yeah, like yeah that, kind finger of that up, look on your face, you know? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, and another thing, and something I'd like to share with you is this, uh, is the look on my face, um, right. and that was that that joke it wasn't even really a joke. <laughs> um, it played for years, and everyone mm-hmm. who I you know shared it with understood, and I hope kind of actually took me into the test with them in that way. But it went, what an interesting sure. thing that they that they needed the they needed the person, and they needed the influence that told them you can think differently you can do this differently. You know what I mean? And and they needed just that last little reminder because we were working in sort of a, in a, in a short-term capacity, you know, um, where I, I didn't have them. They weren't my children. I, I wasn't able to right. sort of, or, or, or even my students in the classroom where I'd have them for nine months. Uh, I had them for three months, usually, right. you know, four or five, maybe. Um, so they wanted just that extra little reminder that they had learned. From somebody.
0: Okay, so you, I think you're aware that memory competitors, right? People who are trying to out memorize other competitors in some constrained competition, right? Who uh-huh. can who can memorize the most digits of pi in one day? You know that kind of stuff. People yeah. who 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 do this sort of thing. One of the sort of tried and true tricks is that they will visualize themselves walking through some environment they're familiar with, mm-hmm. or maybe an environment they're making up. I'm not sure about those details. But what they will do is they will, they, will, they will place things they want to memorize in the environment in particular locations in ways that are meaningful to them so that later they can retrace their steps and see the things that have been left behind. Oh, I left mm-hmm. nine kernels of corn on... the Oh, one of the digits is nine, right? That, you know, cr- crazy stuff like that. Not because in a perfect world, this would make any sense at all. But because inside the imperfect minds that we all have, there's sort of an outsized, um, like an unnecessarily large proportion of our mental resources happen to be devoted to remembering where things are in space. Like it's just how our brains work and so having recognized that that's how our brains work and like you can fight city hall or you can just accept your brain works this way Mm -hmm. right let's work with it okay how can we do this well we'll walk through this imaginary space and we'll leave reminders through it and it will just work for us you know and 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 that's part of what i was talking about before when i talked about sort of the hacks in our brains right it's like Mm -hmm. you know like on some in some idealistic way, I might prefer to have a mind where I could just say, "Hey, I would like my mind to be optimized for remembering digits and not having to go through this intermediate step of placing digits in a, a fake environment, right? Uh, more like a computer." But the fact is, like that's never going to happen. Like this is the brain I have. How how helpful to me to just accept? Okay, this is how this brain works. And I can leverage that fact. I can learn those skills, right? And I can choose to use the strengths that the brain has to get me to a place that I want to go. Like it's a hack, but it works. Mm-hmm. So, tack with it. So, if, if if having your you know having your frame picture on the wall catalyzes that good outcome, mm-hmm. I say you know more power to you, Jack. Get it done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's great. I. Um... <laughs> Yeah. By the way, you can, you can use your awareness of your human tendencies to um, create new positive outcomes and to avoid other sort of like maladaptive behaviors and thought patterns, you know, basically say like, why, you know, why am I thinking this way? Oh, Mm -hmm. it's because I'm concerned about my survival because that's the most important thing that humans have. And that's, that's me jumping from like the stimulus way down the road to like the actual human response and fear. But like the, there's a, that is the reason that you feel that way. And as soon as you can kind of trace that path, then you can say, okay, does this feel relevant? Does this, you know, is, is this in the psychological reality? Is this in the reality of the physical world? Um, and if it's not, then you can start to you know,
0: ch- change that belief system. I think you hit the nail on the head with your choice of the words maladaptive because, um, spe- speaking for myself, having been trained as a computer engineer back in the past, right? One of the, one of the, um, Mental models that continues with me to this day is j- just that recollection of like, OK, I can I can program a computer and then it will behave reliably according to the instructions I've given it. Right. I mean, yes, there might be some bugs and there might be some other weird behavior. But generally speaking, if you write a program to say hello, world, and when you run the program, the computer will say mm-hmm. hello, world. OK, mm-hmm. Um and that's just, that's so not the model when it, when it comes to learning new behaviors or teaching new behaviors, right? Like the reason I'm jumping on the word maladaptive is that in the case of a computer program, you write some stuff down and it follows the instructions. In the case of any human relationship, you offer some inputs and they respond to the inputs They might respond in a way that you consider to be completely nuts or at least completely alien, but, like, it's just about how they respond. No one is going to – like, it's so rare that you'll say to someone, hey, this is what you should do, and they'll be like, yeah, that's what I should do. I'm going to follow your instructions exactly. That's just not how it goes, right?
1: Not only that, not only – is that not how it goes in that moment the thing that you teach them is going to change over time it's going to adapt you know what i mean like we just we, we computers will always say like if you plug that same computer in and you have the same power going to it it'll say hello world today and 20 years from now.
0: <laughs> right. Whereas all you're doing in the case of of both parenting and tutoring, I would argue, right, is you're offering a bunch of inputs. You're observing how the system responds. And again, you're a dynamic system too, right? You might, ch- I mean, you know, that's, again, that's part of why parenting books exist. Like I tried this thing that my parents did with me. It was super successful with me. It's not working with my kid. Why not? It's because the dynamic system is different, right? Like, you know, you were the student and they were the parent. Now you're the parent and
1: yeah. yeah, and, and, and your kid is not you. Yeah. And your
0: exactly. kid is not you. And your kid is not your parent. And the, there's all these different variables where it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I have a,
1: I have a heady question and I think we should use as the wrap because I, okay, I, I, I definitely don't know the answer to this. And I, I don't know. I'm sure you I don't. Maybe you let's don't. have it. All right. Let's I go. I wonder, I wonder if computer programming is becoming, if programs themselves, and this probably is like an AI thing, that the programs themselves will be adaptive. You know,
0: if you're going to ask that question, I'm Mm going to get in there and this is going to be great because the the kinds of folks who listen to this podcast are going to know so much more about this that they're going to later. And And then we're going to, but yeah, I don't know. It's going to be part of the fun, but like part of the, so one of the big things that's happened in the last five or 10 years, right? Machine learning, AI, all that kind of good stuff is about the notion that by, um, Um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to humanize what the computer is doing here in a way that is, is bending the truth a little bit, but it, it it gives you kind of a sense of it. The, the, the form of computer programming that I'm used to is the one where you say, you know, it's imperative, right? Okay. Computer, I want you to do these things. First you will do this and then you will do this. Machine learning is more about, okay, computer, here is a bunch of data. Okay. And I'm going to tell you that, um, that this particular collection of data has this property and this collection of data does not have this property. And then we're going to set up a system wherein um uh yeah, I don't want to get too far in the weeds here, but mm-hmm. but fundamentally a big part of what happens in this machine learning context is that that the machine system is is trying different methods for correctly sorting the data into one category or the other. And because there's sort of an externally imposed, um, you know, judge that tells you whether that's a picture of a cat or not, right. Mm -hmm. You're able to just do it your own way, right? No one is telling the machine learning system, um, Mm -hmm. how to tell a cat from a non-cat, it's only telling the system this is a cat, this is not a cat. In some cases, and it's trying to work out for itself. Mm. And the, one of the properties that's so interested, interesting about machine learning is when a machine learning system is done, you know, doing its thing and it can tell a cat from a non-cat or whatever it is you're trying to do. There, it is not possible to unpack the system like to go read the source code and figure out how the machine is doing it like that's just not how it works Mm. there's just a bunch of stuff that's going in there and there are these little weightings these little numbers that govern the connections Mm -hmm. of different nodes within the system and like Mm -hmm. you know you can read out the numbers but they just they they have they have no meaning they have as much meaning to you as it as it would be if I, if you opened up my brain and and observed how the neurons were connected to each other and tried to infer something about, you know, um, my love of ham sandwiches or whatever. It's just like you're not going to ever get. That's never going to happen, right? Um, unless um, unless
1: you unless you programmed another computer to. Observe that computer and those values, and make sense of those values.
0: Not in my lifetime, but yeah, sure, <laughs> okay, in theory, sure. But 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 the point that I'm making here, or <laughs> I don't know if I'm really making the point. The point I would like to be making is that in imperative computer programming, you can read the source code and you can see what's supposed to be happening, and you can talk about that stuff. In machine learning, it's just a big black box. Like some stuff is happening, and you're getting some good outputs. And I got to tell you. That second is what tutoring feels like to me, and it's what parent parenting feels like to me. Yes, like you can talk to the student, you can talk to your kid, and they will tell you what they tell you, and they might be telling you the truth, and they might not, and like, mm-hmm. you, you know, and, and you're just doing the best you can to figure out what's going on in there and to help every way you can. But like at, at the end of the day, it, most of it is mystery, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, you remember that from you know, from when you were a student and you, you know it from when you're a teacher and the same thing, at least is, is my experience of being a parent and was of being, um, the child of other parents. It's just, you know, uh,
1: what, one of my, one of my favorite things to do with our podcast is to basically land on a, land on a conclusion. Like this is just, you know, me a non-conclusion.
0: The, is that the, no, go ahead. Yes, yes, yes. No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right.
1: Um, which is basically, you know, um, sort of like you know, reductive and unsatisfying conclusion, uh, which today is uh, children are black boxes. Um, students are black boxes and we will never understand them.
0: Um, <laughs> Yay. What an uplifting note to end on. <laughs>
1: say the two expert educators. That's, so oh, yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's a good, good one. That's, that's, that's a top notch uh, anti-conclusion. Uh,
0: yeah. You know um, yeah. And yeah, uh, I, I want to tag down on that, but you're right. That's a good stopping point.
1: Uh, he's Wes Carroll. He is on the web at WesCarroll.com. dot com, and you spell that with two R's and two L's. And you know, you just listen to this podcast, and so you know how smart he is. You know how you know thoughtful he is. You know that he's how actively he's thinking about education. I don't need to sell him. You know, you just sold, he just sold himself. You know, this is it. Like you know, the 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 proofs in the pudding. So that's Wes Carroll.
0: Ah, oh, stealer of the thunder, Ted Dorsey, Ted at tutorted.com on the web at tutorted.com. All the things you just said about me are are, are at least as true of you. I really appreciate this opportunity to talk with you because I always leave either feeling smarter or feeling like I have something to aspire to, and either way, I appreciate it. Uh-huh. It's very, very good stuff, and I do hope that all the listeners who uh, who have needs in your specialty of SAT and ACT prep will uh, will get in touch with you in order that they can. Uh, Can experience firsthand what it's like to have someone with that depth of knowledge um, help you think better.
1: Thank you, kind sir. I'll see you next time. That sounds good. Thanks as always.
0: Thanks for hanging with us. Click subscribe, ring the bell, tell a friend, leave a comment. You know the drill.